Hi, I'm Dawn Kendall. And I'm Alex Howarth. And this is the Yoga Life Podcast. Hi, so welcome back to episode five of the Yoga Life Podcast. And we are talking this week about, let me find how to say it. You can do it. <laughs> You're making it harder. I practiced before we started. That's what she said. A paragraha. A paragraha? How would Aprigaha. you say it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. So number five of the yammers. Um, so how are you this week, Alex? I'm good, darling. How are you? Good. I'm all right. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. Jo, I, re- I read something about that or heard something about that the other day when we say not bad as a response and how what you know what does that mean (laughs) I think it's uh you either say I'm good if things are pretty all right yeah but you're not really looking for any you don't want to follow through uh I'm fine when you absolutely do not want any conversation don't ask any questions Mm. not bad I always feel is oh no is everything okay I feel like it invites that (laughs) room for improvement no there's actually Mm. no room for improvement Good. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, um, have good mindset. Have you been uh, uh, practicing Brahmacharya? Brahmacharya? <laughs> I've you're not been practicing these. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you've not had loads of time. Um, <laughs> well, uh, Brahmacharya is using our energy in the right ways. I have a great example of where I didn't use my energy in the right way. <laughs> Do tell. um it was you know when you have a plan for the next day which I usually do and I'm pretty I would say I stick to my day plan about 75% of the time so of course there's um absolute downsides to it or not downsides there's definite days where I fail (sighs) fail seems such a harsh word on myself but I know that when I have when I stick to my work day plan things tend to go really really well like work-wise my mindset is good my mood is good and my plan was to go for a run this morning. Um, Mossy left for work early and I asked him to bring me coffee when he got up. So I was kind of up and ready before six o'clock. So I had loads and loads of time. Um, I had coffee, did my journaling. And then the plan was to go for a run. And then suddenly it was 9am. <laughs> <laughs> and I needed to walk the dogs. And now here we are doing recording and I have yet to run. Oh, <laughs> so what did you do with your time instead? I worked. Oh, okay. So, well, I mean, it's still not a run, um, but at it's, least no, it wasn't it scrolling. I mean, well, this is the thing. I then got really annoyed because I wasted, I was looking for something specific to post on social media. Yeah. And I couldn't find what I was looking for. So then I was looking for a different option and had I actually just perhaps spent a few minutes thinking with my actual brain I wouldn't have spent so much time on Google or websites or whatever and what should have taken me five minutes took probably the best part of half an hour right and it's like that just was not worth it and it was not the right use of energy and it annoyed the hell out of me however friend yes so (laughs) I'm braving it today Uh. I have have Albie to my left and I have Elvis on the sofa behind me so we will see how this goes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was an example of how I didn't use my energy in the right way. 
Um, but I'm going to hopefully try and motivate myself to go for a run later. Nice. You know you'll feel better for it afterwards. That's that's yeah. the trick, isn't it? I, I I need to go for a run this week. Yeah. Do you want to go for a run this week? There's the I change do want of language. For, yeah, I do want to go for a run this week. I want to do some burpees. Why do you want to do... Because the gym's that. open in three weeks and I know that I'll go back and feel like death. So um, I'm going to spend three weeks just gradually building a little bit more cardio back in. And I know last year after lockdown, when I did, I didn't do it for the whole lockdown, but I did like a good, good month of burpeeing, 100 burpees every day. You did. I was going to ask yeah. if you were going to do that So again. when I went back to CrossFit, they were... I found them way easier than ever before. Like everyone that knows me knows that burpees are my nemesis and but actually they're not anymore because of spending that time doing them and I got quicker. And I also think core strength really. Probably, yeah. Sl- slight tangent on burpees here, but I think you're doing yoga and building core strength makes burpees a lot easier. Like that snapping back up is so much easier. A hundred percent agree with uh, you there. Yeah. And don't hurt my back if the core's there. Yes, if you yeah, if you're actually mindful with the movement through a burpee, yeah. which is quite difficult when you're just throwing yourself on the floor. Yeah. But completely agree. Yeah. Um what's your example of Brahmachaya? Um, how have I used Brahmachaya? Uh I suppose I've just made conscious decisions of how I spend my energy with like my mental energy more than anything. So the news came on TV the other night and I was watching and oh, it was last night, quite late. I guess it might have been about half 10. And I had literally turned off what I was watching that was like recorded. The news was on. I was getting ready to go to bed and I sat there watching the news. And I, I sort of was like, no, this is what I don't want to do this. I don't need to. I don't need to fill my head with this right before bed. It's, you know, depressing or stressful makes you a bit anxious let's just turn this off and go to bed and I did and I bet you slept better for it yeah. go out to bed read a bit of Bridgerton <laughs> oh, I forgot you can read those oh, yeah yeah so on it. my list nearly finished book seven it's a great way to go to bed oh nice yeah nice yeah, I need to go back to, go. to... Oh, who was book seven um book seven's hyacinth the nice. youngest girl so yeah yeah as if she's got a book uh, they've each yeah they've each got a book yeah hmm. they all come of age eventually <laughs> oh i will read them eventually they are they are saucy oh you right yeah i was sold anyway but okay <laughs> <laughs> even more sold now um Done so should we talk about yammer five yes yeah we should um Go on, you can Aprigaha? do it. Aprigaha? No. Ha ha ha. Aprigaha? Yeah. Aprigaha. I like that you added in an extra ha, to Aprigaha? be honest. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so what does this Yama, what, what's it interpreted? Mm. How's it, how, what does it mean? Um, non-possessiveness, non-attachment, uh, non-greed, um, generosity, I think is another one. Uh, generosity of spirit, uh, all these kind of things. Essentially, it is encouraging us not to be selfish. Okay. And uh, I always think of, um, you know, we said this in another episode about the seven deadly sins and greed. Yeah. And I always think of that one as well. And how much how much these, in a weird way, tie into the um, Ten Commandments. Yeah. 
yeah i don't know just, how familiar i am with those are they there i'm or... <clears throat> i'm not anymore no no but um yeah it's generally non-greed and things like that it's a good thing good thing not to be yep i feel like non-attachment is you know how each time we've come to these over the last four episodes we've said feels kind of obvious don't hurt people yeah. don't steal don't lie and then um don't lust after people and then or things and then this one it's just a bit less obvious greed is obvious i feel however non-attachment yeah that's i not feel so. less yeah it's just people are like what why yeah what does that mean and Yes, it isn't as obvious. And also, um, some people obviously think that it's good to be attached to some things. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. Yes, that's, yeah. Um, but so we're talking about the non-attachment, so letting go of our attachments to what? Well, I would say rather than jumping straight to letting go, I feel yeah. like it needs to be noticing our attachments mm-hmm. to things because we can't let go without realizing that we actually have an attachment to something and often we don't even realize we have attachments to things because we get become attached to many things habits in a weird way are created due to attachments to certain behaviors or whatever um and so we create habits which become that they're our security blanket they they make us feel comfortable um so we become attached to um physical things we become attached to um people animals uh, obviously with my two dogs near me yeah. um cat boy probably strutting around somewhere he's asleep in the spare room today no disturbances oh <laughs> um then we have attachment to um emotions habits behaviors um status all sorts of things money uh power mm-hmm. we can get attached i think it is our human nature to become attached to things because I think it's also human nature to create connection and community and be a part of something and so it is natural for us to become attached to a community people um to become something in society that that a status for instance because that around that we build our own safety net well yeah and if it's something that we enjoy why would we want to let it go that's quite the point of yeah why would yeah why would you and I suppose we've got to like learn that it can also be created again absolutely yeah absolutely so all of these things we naturally become attached to I suppose the thing that triggered me most when I first started learning about non-attachment was but I want to be attached to my family my friends my pets yeah I don't want to feel non-attached to these things that I love and hold dear um and so it's learning what attachment is at the the core of it and then uh letting whatever it is we're attached to go but still having it in your life and yeah like sorry I lost my train of thought then I was thinking along those lines like you know we don't want to say yeah you don't don't love your family or what have you but we're talking about like how would you then deal with them not being there absolutely absolutely and it's um it's 
lessening the pain when we lose something. Yeah. Which is what non-attachment allows us to experience. So less pain when something goes. So for instance, buying a new anything, we become incredibly attached to it. So we have the initial excitement, the idea of having this new product. I'm going to go for the really uh, boring example of a new car. say car, good example. Weird. Um, And we have all that excitement of we researched it, we figured out how this is gonna fit into our lives perfectly. Um, We've decided what color we'd like, how much money it's gonna save us, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You get all that excitement, you figure out how you're gonna pay for it. Oh, it's actually gonna save us money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you've created this whole um, sense of emotion and roller coaster of emotions actually about getting this car. Now you're super hyped up, you're super excited. It's the perfect car to complement your family, your life. Oh my gosh. And next door is going to be so jealous. <laughs> uh, oh, it's actually better than my dad's car. He is going to be like, he'll go buy himself a new car now too. Um, and then we go to the dealership to get the car and something happens. We can't get it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we've not got the car and we come home, we're driving back. And we're so disappointed yeah upset annoyed frustrated we roll through all of the emotions of oh my god I've told my dad I'm getting that car and I'm not going to get the car and And there's all of the emotion and the letdown and the upset whereas if you weren't to have built all of that up and got all of that excitement and all of the emotion tied into buying a car then you wouldn't have then suffered the downside of not getting a car so there's one scenario where you can become attached to a thought or an idea of buying something. Now, let's say we've got all of that going on. We get to the dealership and we buy the car. Yay, super excited. Oh my goodness, the car is home. Um, And it's great, you love it, it's beautiful. You obviously post all the pictures on social media to really establish your status in society. Sounds like such a dick move yeah. when you put it like that. Yeah. Um, you know, you show off your new car, you phone your dad, you video call him just so he can really see the car. Uh, and he's like, oh, it's beautiful. Bring it over. You take it over and your brand new car, you're reversing it into his driveway and you hit a goddamn post that wasn't there the last time you were there. And your heart breaks. Oh, my God. All of the emotions, the <laughs> devastation, the upset, the smug look on your dad's face. <laughs> I don't know why in this story the dad's a bit of an asshole. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, all of these things. Again, absolute heartbreak, emotional upset. It's absolutely an inconvenience. I'm not going to take that away from anyone. It is an inconvenience when you damage something where you then have to go fix it. Not going to lie. But again, had you perhaps not had so much emotional attachment and involvement with this car, would it have been so painful? No. Then finally, we get to dad's, blah, 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 blah. We don't hit the post. The post is gone. The post doesn't exist. The car is great. We show off this car for the next couple of weeks. And then the 
kids start, you know, using it on school runs again, and then the dogs go in and one of the dogs accidentally jumps into the back of the car, puts mud and water everywhere. And oh, fuck, you get it cleaned, but it's not quite the same. It starts to smell like dog. And then there's crumbs and McDonald's packets in the back. And then there's rubbish in the front, much like they used to be in your old car. And you've left a coffee cup in there, which then gets spilled and the car starts to smell a bit like coffee. And then someone scrapes it and you're like, eh, fuck it. I can't really be asked to clean it. So your your product, your item, the thing you love, that car that you adored over the case of maybe 12 months, you now no longer really care about and you start to cover after the next thing, next the one. next thing. What's the next car? Actually, yeah. the lease on this car, now we've got a lease, runs out in three years. I really don't particularly Ooh. like it now. Yeah, what's, what next? Next? what's next? What's next? What's next? What's um, next? And so that thing that we were super, super excited about, we no longer give a shit about. And then instantly we start to create the emotion of, right, what's next? What's next? Yeah. What can I buy? What's pretty and shiny? What will increase my status in society now? Because my old dirty car that I used to love a year ago is no longer ticking that box. Yeah. Um, my dad now has a brand new car. And I want one. <laughs> I want one. So yeah. it's <clears throat> essentially we have that and it's not just with cars. It is with everything. How many people do we know that buy a house and then even though they don't really need a bigger house, because their salaries reflect it or because they've just kind of, you know what, I can. They buy a bigger one for no reason. They don't need the space. Yeah, and mobile phones is one of those. And I think it's the industry has marketed it as such that obviously a lot of it is like two-year contracts. You get a new phone every two years. But um, say Apple bring out a new one every year. And some people want the newest. They want the newest one. And it's that it just creates this craving and this want for it. And people just want the new one. They want the best one. No consideration over whether they need it or how is their current one and things like that. So you talked about McDonald's wrappers and a, and a quote I read was, um, we live in a McDonald's society. So we want everything. We want it now and we want it supersized. Um, so that was a quote by Emma Newlin on the Eckhart Yoga blog. And yeah, that's, it's so true. We've got this world that we, um, you know, we just, we just want everything straight away. Absolutely. And it's almost an attachment to not even the item anymore. It's no. the everything around having that item. The I've got the brand new iPhone. It. Yeah. yeah, it's the excitement of ownership. It's exciting. An iPhone is an iPhone at the end of the day. Yeah. You get it. You're excited for a day. You get used to all the new features. And then it's like, and it's just a phone again. Yeah. And they all still do way more than like my first ever computer. God, crazy. yes. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure my phone actually does more than my laptop. Yeah, I think mine definitely does more than my laptop. I mean, the camera is 100 times better for a start. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's so that where attachment... Much, yeah, of yeah, that's where, as well. Yeah, massively. And attachment just um, slips into everything. Everything. Um, and we just have to be so aware of how the market or society I think it's not just marketing it's society encourages us yeah. to constantly covet what everyone else has this perfect fake image that if you have this it will bring you happiness um and if you don't have it you are lacking yeah. and it's that underlying well I don't want to feel like I'm lacking or I do feel like I'm lacking because I don't have x um that brings us this constant underlying state of uh, fear or um, upset, discomfort, anxiety. Um, 
imagine if everyone around you had um oh let's say you're in a group of friends and everyone you know everyone in that circle of friends owned a house mm-hmm. and was maybe having babies and you as the solo person who didn't own a house still renting or maybe still living with your parents or whatever your situation is who was so far away from having babies potentially doesn't want to have children you just feel so like you're lacking because you've not got what everyone else and what society perhaps suggests you need. And it is the attachment to even just that ideal that causes us pain. So this is where we look for non-attachment. Yeah. And learning to realize that you're, you are in the right place for you. And, Mm -hmm. and also, I guess a focus of what we look at, why have you not got these things? And if it's through, your lack of action then call to action you know work towards it if that's what you want but um yeah we're all in different places and I guess it's learning to be comfortable in ourselves and where we are yeah yeah absolutely but without that acceptance of I'm feeling these emotions are they are they warranted or is it because of outside forces that are causing me to feel these emotions these negative things about my life um I think everyone I know had a small breakdown when they turned 30 I think and there is yeah that that label isn't it yeah at 30 you're supposed to have your life together yeah and everyone grows up without that with that even I mean everyone in our circle I think I mean and it seems in pretty common society but it might not be worldwide. Absolute probably isn't worldwide, but you hit 30 and there is that general thing of you should have your life together. You should probably own a house. You should have a steady job. You should have a good wage. You should have kids on the way or have kids already. Mm-hmm. And you absolutely should know where your life is going. You hit 29 and you're like, fuck, this is the year. I have to get everything sorted. Yeah. <laughs> and then your, your 30th birthday creeps up. And uh, yeah, I think small breakdowns actually happen due to the fact that we have attached this label to turning 30 I remember I don't know if you remember it I had like a meltdown it was I was already a couple of years into 30 and I had a, like a little meltdown with you about yes. this everyone I know owns a house they're all doing this they're all doing that they've all been in good jobs and here I am just starting out in my career like just having an absolute meltdown about it and it's it's really hard when you're looking around you and you're comparing and you know and I know people that started their career at 18 they knew what they wanted to do or they went to uni and trained to do something specific and they they've worked up to certain levels and then here I am having retrained two years ago in my mid-30s like really at the beginning of a career and it just made me feel so you know sometimes if you start looking around too much you could just feel so behind but then I've started to learn as, as going through your 30. So this anticipation for us turning 30, do you find that as you're getting into your sort of mid thirties, sorry to say it. Um, <laughs> I definitely talked about to, turning 34. Yeah. You start to realize that it was like an unfounded fear of turning 30. And actually I think the thirties are the best years because we haven't got it together necessarily, but I Speak think we yourself. have got it together. <laughs> yeah. Like, a lot more emotionally and knowing ourselves than I think it's through the emotional it's through the emotional development that we've had that we now can look at our lives and be like well my life is together yeah yeah and I look at mine and think I'm yes I'm only two years into my career but I've 
almost in my second career and I'm doing something I love. I haven't just settled with what I started doing at 18. No. And with your first career, you've taken so much to then put into your second career, your actual thing that you want to create and build for yourself. Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, I feel like, I think my 20s were spent, what, traveling, drinking, training working and I hate to say it because it sounds like such a cliche where it was just 70 hour weeks 70 hour weeks 70 hour weeks um for all of my 20s then of course there was the minor breakdown of turning 30 I was still working for someone else still didn't really I figured my future was in the gym management field because that's where I was at at that point didn't really know what I wanted and it was only when I went to Nepal that I realized what I wanted And so, and it's, again, it's, but it's the mindset shift just because I don't own a house yet. I don't really care whether I do or don't own a house. I would rather have a house somewhere else in the world or travel the world than own a house here. Yeah. It's incredibly great for security. It would be great to have a few properties and have it for income, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I see the benefits of owning one, but it's not a priority. Um, And then, uh, but what is important to me is the relationships around me, my friendship, my boyfriend, his kids and my work yeah. and all of those things are incredibly together yeah and so there's no label that society needs or uh has portrayed as where I should be that now feels like it has to be in my life because it doesn't and we might look at people that have that have the house and 2.4 children and two cars on the drive and these quite good jobs earning decent money but they could be miserable and they could feel trapped and they you know they've got to then maintain that whereas but also it's understanding that someone could be put in my position where they don't own a house yet um they have they're running their own business in a different way and freaking hate it yeah absolutely hate it they feel like they don't have any security they um they feel really like well, they could have a billion uh, emotions around it and absolutely hate their life because of where they're at. Whereas I could be in their situation and hate it or vice versa. Yeah, they we're all different. Happy. Exactly. And I think as yeah. soon as you accept that, that you're on your own path and it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing, instantly those labels just start to fall away and they just mean nothing anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I would say that that's where what has really shifted in my 30s. And I, I would say the same for you. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so, but really, yeah, we're all on our own paths and yeah. A friend of ours said to me the other day that 40s are the best. Really? <laughs> yeah. So I was like, what? 30s yes. pretty good. I was busy saying, I'm like, I'm not sure I want to be mid 30s. And she said, don't worry, the 40s are the best. Uh. <laughs> and she's now, she's now 50 something and she's like loving life. So. Yeah. I trust and her judgment. I think when we're younger, you start, you fear the getting older. But as you get older, I think... You do, you give less fucks about <laughs> everything, don't you? You just yes. do. And I do admire some older women that speak their mind, wear what they want to wear, do what they want to do, because, you know, and they look at the 20-somethings that are concerned about maybe how they look or wearing the latest fashion or how they are perceived and just want to say to them, like, oh, give it up. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. It's the best thing about lockdown. We can yeah. live in leggings now and it's fine. Yes. And that is what I'm taking away from lockdown. I am going to continue the entire way through my 30s wearing Lulus. And you can't tell me otherwise. <laughs> yeah, do, do what you like, wear what you like. Uh, but then arguably, Dawny, I mean, 
Lululemon leggings, freaking love them. Mm-hmm. But it's we become so attached to these leggings that we could potentially be overlooking leggings that are of equal quality, but are half the price tag, quarter of the price tag. And our attachment to these leggings, to an X label, Nike, uh, the, I can't remember what they're called, the style of running trainer I have, I love. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm never going to buy a different brand. Yeah. Uh, I'm now attached to those. And it's what am I closing down because of my attachment to certain brands and labels? But also there is this society around constantly having to have the new thing, which Mm. obviously feeds straight into fast fashion. Yes, it does. And yeah, and buying too much. So I would argue that by buying these pricier things, you have to be aware, obviously, that some brands command a price tag because you're paying for the brand. Some brands command a price tag because of what's gone in behind it. So be a bit both. I could say, for example, on trainers, they're pricey, yeah, but there's huge amounts of science and research gone behind that and they've got to pay for that somehow. Um, and it's looking into that, yeah, like the fast fashion and the, the, the cheaper end of the scale. And that means people start buying in excess, don't they? And just and, and the wastage. And I listened to a chat earlier. So it's Candice Habishan Yoga, who's a yoga teacher that I met uh, last year, year before last. And she is doing these Zen in 10 chats. And she chatted with the company Gather and See. So they're an online ethical clothing retailer. And, retailer. and they opened my eyes. And I listened to this and then did some other research. And I just could not believe that the amount of clothing that goes to landfills that is brand brand new when we return it some of these companies so if you imagine you're returning something cheap so a five pound t-shirt is it worth a retailer paying someone per per the hour to repackage relabel and send it out no they put it in landfill I, i i was mind blown that these new things go in in landfill i assumed as probably everyone that they got repackaged and resold. So many companies have more than 50%, more like 70% returned. So people go on, obviously, spend a thousand pounds in a company, send back 800 pounds, for example. You know, that's a big, big figures. And, you know, sometimes it's just not worth the retailer's time. They don't have the infrastructure. Brand new items with labels on go in landfill. In the US, so I haven't got a UK statistic, but in the US, 85% of textiles go to landfill. Whether that's not, that's not new, that's all, but they're not recycled, they're not sold on, they're not reused, they go to landfill or burnt. Oh my God. And it's that, the whole chat was that, so the uh, Gather and See ethical um, clothing retailer, like they like to make sure that they're, their companies that they they buy from are you know hit certain standards but you know there's the real message behind it of you know think about what you're buying do you need it or I mean I know it's hard because we want to try things on and make sure they fit and I'm I'm a big one for I, I do order a few things I'm fine I'm an awkward shape and I don't want to spend loads of money and not have you know buy something that doesn't fit well and I would send it back. There's no point in me keeping it if it doesn't fit well. But it's just taking more time and 
and being more conscious and just and, and look at secondhand as well you know absolutely I would imagine this has all got a lot worse in lockdown as well because yeah. originally you could take clothes back to the shop yeah um and so no, then so. I would imagine they just rehang it on a hanger it's incredibly That's it. I thought of that I took something back to next the other day and I thought to myself well they wouldn't throw it in the bin because I've literally took it in the store and surely they're not throwing that in the bin they're they've got to handle yeah. it anyway so yeah I think it's making sure you're researching where you're buying your clothes from and yes That's it might it. have a higher price tag but if it means that you're not having a huge impact on the environment then don't do it I did all of my summer shopping last year in a charity shop did you? Amazing. Oh, I would do really you getting shops. stuff from charity yeah. shops. Yeah. And, and I've got a friend who stuff. buys everything off Depop. Like, she's just, you know. And she does, doesn't she? Yes. Yeah, great branded stuff. Really good quality that's still got so many years of life left in it. Yeah. Um, and so it's finding places where you can just secondhand. Absolutely the dream. And when yeah. it's probably worth looking again after this lockdown it was because in the first lockdown everyone did huge clear yeah. outs didn't they yeah. so you went to the charity shops and they had so much good gold. stuff yeah absolute gold yeah. um and I mean I got a new coat a winter coat that has lasted me this entire winter yeah. I still wear it every day for yeah. six pounds it's amazing and, and you've not gone into landfill for you know it's they've not created another one and it's also then that's you know the impact on the environment as well of all the fashion and we all know how much this impacts the environment and the fuels and the fossil fuels and, and the products, what they're made of um, going into it. And it's just sort of being more aware. Like, so I know as I've got older, I buy less clothes by buying more expensive clothes because yeah. I'm looking for something that's going to fit nicely, that looks nice. It's almost timeless. You know, it's not an yeah. in and out of fashion thing. Um, and it's going to last and I'm going to, wear it for a long time I mean this is my motto and a lot of people have took like taken this from me is uh um you know price per wear so love that if something is expensive and someone's like oh my gosh you spent that much on that I'm like yeah but price per wear if it lasts years and years it's worth it mm-hmm. you know so I would it's, yeah I would argue that for every 80 pounds I spend on a pair of Lululemons I'll probably have worn it 80 times within a year exactly so it starts being worth it and I, I read in the UK the average life of a piece of clothing is 2.2 years so imagine if we can extend that a little bit further and how mm-hmm. much of an impact if, if each item of clothing is further and I'm like 2.2 years I guess when I was 19 20 I think god that's mad that's way too long because it goes out of fashion whereas now I'm like 2.2 years I mean I've got towels in there that I bought when I was 18 years old <laughs> so do I yeah. so do, they've moved with me from yes. years and years and years yeah. absolutely um oh, that do you goes remember- into do we need it do we um sorry to interrupt you yeah but take only what we need now I could look at that and I sometimes go into other people's bathrooms and see oh lovely matchy towels and I really like that but then I think no because I've got some that are fine they might be 16 17 years old <laughs> but they're okay yeah, absolutely. And um, I bought, thankfully, I bought a matching set when yeah. I was 18 years old. So I have all matchy matchy towels. And thankfully, I walked into Mossy's house and he has three of the same colour. Amazing. <laughs> I know. It just works. And then, yeah, and then there we've got a couple of other random ones. But yeah. it, it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter. There's no, no one's coming into my bathroom and judging it based on the colour of my towels. And neither do I. No. Um, it's um 2.2 years just so not very long is it no I've 
No, I've like so as you know, a lot of people who know me know I live in gym gear. Yeah. I have done four years because working in the gym industry, and I have had pairs of leggings just from Nike, so mm-hmm. m- mid-range sort of leggings yeah. that have honestly lasted me five, six, seven years. Yeah. You know my red leggings, yeah, um, heavy rep gear. They were. Yeah. I think they're now on their eighth year. It's amazing. Yeah, utterly insane. Yeah. It's either seven or eight years this year. They and they're fine, yeah. uh, absolutely fine. And um, and it's just what like it is just the assumptions. Oh well, I've had them for a year or a couple of years, or I've done two winters in those. They can go in the bin now, or I don't like them anymore, or whatever it happens to be. Uh, admittedly, red leggings are quite bold, but I love red. So, mm-hmm. um, and there's definitely leggings I've had from Nike that fall apart fall apart in five minutes. Yeah, but it's just not making the assumption that everything's just going to fall to pieces and actually taking the time to realize that your clothes will last if you spend the money on them, if you buy the right stuff, if you treat them well and not just to become completely flippant and dispose of them willy nilly and without any thought. Um, And if they are in good nick, not throwing them in the bin. Yeah. Yeah, Don't give them them to charity. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. If that's the only thing that's hard right now, I have got a pile to take to charity. Um, you know the charity bins are open at like supermarkets. Yeah, but I don't. Yeah, and I'm always a bit like I don't know where they go. I guess they it's researching like where they go. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty good. It, it does say on the bins. The ones yeah. at Morrison's, for instance, it says on the bins where they go. Okay, I'll have a look. If not, charity shops will be open in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's li- yeah, three so weeks. They will I get all encourage. my stuff. I encourage everyone to start building a bag now. Charity yeah. shops are open in three weeks. Okay, we'll go for your wardrobe. What have you yeah. not worn this winter? Yeah, because we're now moving into a new season. It's the perfect time of year to do a clear out. What have you not worn? Although this winter's been a bit different because we've not actually gone anywhere. Yeah, it does make yeah. it hard, doesn't it? I go for you my wardrobe. Your... I'm like, I've not worn that party dress, but that's because I've not been anywhere. <laughs> what Christmas party? That's yes, exactly. Um, oh. But you say about the looking after it as well. Like, um, I mean, I, I personally, I sew. So I repair stuff, um, but more and more of my friends, <laughs> Dawn, can you fix this for me? Or can you fix that for me? When they probably used to like throw it out. If it's got a hole, mm-hmm. it'd get thrown out. Whereas now it ends up at Dawn's house. <laughs> yeah, now I have a yeah. coat with a hole in a pocket, which I've been meaning to give to you for ages. Exactly. I've done a few um... coats recently, yes. <laughs> uh, but you could then turn that back to that car that yeah. you let the dogs get dirty and the, the McDonald's and stuff like that um if we take care of these things then we will like them and enjoy them for a lot longer yes absolutely absolutely yeah. i don't feel like we're talking about attachment much anymore no no <laughs> sustainable <laughs> we've, fashion we've drifted <laughs> we have drifted a lot yeah. uh, so what i wanted to say was i guess the giving to charity yeah is into it quite nicely is that the opposite of attachment is generosity and giving it away and so if you're really struggling and you are attached to something um the best way to kind of start to lose that attachment is to give something away give it away whatever it happens to be let's say um you become really attached to this winter coat but perhaps for some reason or another it doesn't fit you anymore but you've got so much sentimental value and oh love for it um and it pains you every time you open the cupboard and see it there uh the best thing to do, the kindest thing to do, and the most yogic thing to do would be to donate that to someone. Yeah. You could give it to someone you love, so you still get to see and enjoy the coat, but in, on someone else. Or you could give it to someone who is in need of that coat. 
Um, and then instantly the energy around that coat becomes nice. We talked about it last week. No such thing as a selfless good deed. Mm-hmm. Well, you've done that good deed. You've given away something you love, but the fact that you have made someone else happier or improved their uh, standard of living because you've donated something wonderful would make you feel good in its own in its own right. Yeah. And so we look at generosity and often um, when people are really stuck for money and absolutely freaking out and panicking that they're, they're skint, they're not going to make any money. Oh my gosh. And you're completely in this lack mindset, uh, the scarcity mindset, the fear of, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be able to pay my bills, whatever it might be, feed myself, whatever. Um, the weirdest thing to do to unblock that fear is to donate some money to charity and probably more than you feel comfortable doing because it instantly you know it starts to change the energy around that whole experience you know what there is someone out there that I've just helped somehow it might be in the smallest possible way but to you it just unblocks that flow of negative energy and boom the positive energy starts to flow again and you can almost guarantee that money will start flowing back into your life it's like karma what goes around comes around exactly it really really is um as soon as there is a block in energy things start to go wrong so always look to where's where's the negative energy and how can you unblock it to make it move forward and so if you have an an attachment to something that is causing you pain how can you let it go yeah um so yeah it's always the essentially what we can learn most from aprigaha or uh, non-attachment is that the absolute opposite of attachment is generosity so if yeah. you're feeling overly attached to something how can you become generous in that part of your life yeah mm. and um and i read a, a a sentence that if if about like people you know the rich and the poor and what have you and it's like if all parties in a finite system is on board with non-possession there is no wealth or poverty so it's like that you know giving and sharing and just it just makes you think about that that sharing of things absolutely I mean wow that would be an interesting world to live in yeah it would definitely happen in the western world perhaps even eastern these days yeah I know I I don't know it would be an interesting way to live for sure well it went yeah so when I was reading that it went on to uh it was about when there was the like a caste system in America and Gandhi made himself poor so that he leveled the playing fields. So people above him couldn't judge him. People below him couldn't judge him because although people are above him, like he was just being honest and true to himself and he sort of made himself down to that level. Um, yeah. Just to, just to show that you don't need things um, to sort of have influence and, and power there absolutely is that like and he he's been hugely influential like hugely influential and has done some amazing amazing things but it's not necessary no to make yourself poor no no to do amazing things no and we're not you don't have to be poor I suppose we just have to only take what we need Yes, I feel like that is what's more important. Yes. It's just the the non-possessiveness that comes from only buying or having what you need. Um, what's, what's the phrase? Us in the moment and let go when the time is right. Exactly. I mean, how much do we hold on to for sentimental value? Yeah, when actually what's it could phrase? be better for someone else. Uh, only have it if it is beautiful or serves a purpose. Yeah. 
otherwise you don't really need it in your life i would like the marie kondo book where she goes through things and picks it up does this bring you joy if not it's going yes similar to that and you could look at anything in your life does it bring me joy or is it useful my accountant useful also my friend (laughs) it brings me joy (laughs) so my accountant is staying um whereas uh someone who has become quite a negative person in your life are they useful no do they make me happy no they need to go from your life it's a lot harder to do um but they don't have to be both you know do they bring me joy or do they do they make me happy no are they useful yes Mm. So you got a way out of it. <laughs> I mean, your teachers at school. I mean, yeah, you probably like some of them, but some of them you might not like, but they are useful. <laughs> but keep those be, kids. <laughs> yeah, if you've got to go to school, it's going to be hard to unattach from your uh, from your teachers. Yes. Um, but it's it's just weighing these things up. Is it useful? Is it beautiful? If not, let it go. Yeah. Um, and it's it's the the same. I keep coming back to it, but it's the same with money. Yeah. If you're using it, I don't think money's ever been. Oh, never seen a billion pounds piled high it might be beautiful (laughs) um uh but money's incredibly useful but if it's sat there doing nothing and stagnating it blocks that flow again of energy and it becomes a negative thing and so it's again what can you do and create and make beautiful things and be useful with this money rather than just hoarding it and holding on to it. I think that's a really, that's why, because often people love to hoard and hold on to things like, especially money, um, especially relationships. Whereas actually things would be better if it was just to let go. And that can, that's often rooted in fear. And funny enough, I was watching the um, like extreme hoarders and it was someone who had loads of out of date tins of stuff. And you could argue that they're in tins, they're fine. But and he was hanging on to them and the cleaners wanted to get rid of them. But he was like, well, I don't have the luxury of the income to keep replacing that. You know, you know, this was extreme. He probably could have cleaned most of the out of date stuff out, but no judgment there. He had a fear of not being able to replace it. And I think like extreme hoarding is something like that. It is a big fear of not, having something like they get caught up in a cycle of well what if I need it you know they see value in everything don't they and hold on to everything Um, it is a lack mindset and I think that this is driven in society big time we are encouraged to believe that there is not enough of everything whereas the universe is well it's endless and it whatever we need we can create um and so it's understanding that there is not a lack. Everything that we need is right there. It's as soon as we take things past what we need to yeah. having things in excess where there is absolutely not enough. Yeah. There is not enough for everyone on the planet. But it's because people hoard, people buy too much out of fear. Yeah. It's fear that they won't have enough themselves. It's fear that they won't have a status in society. It's fear that they'll be judged for not having something. It's fear that um, they won't, be liked or they won't be able to I can't think what's it's meeting those basic needs isn't it yeah oh attract a mate that was the other one yeah um they won't appeal to the opposite sex uh and it it, it is always rooted in a fear as to why we create attachment to something we could go back hoarding let's rewind one whole year about now Mm. if you went to the supermarket 
you wouldn't find toilet paper, would you? Oh my God, no, I'd and People were buying so much toilet paper, it would have lasted them a year. It was, yeah, insane. It was insane. And I think I read um, someone we know had posted, they saw someone buying like a 10 kilo bag of rice. He portioned it out and was like, they would have to eat rice as a whole family of say four people every day for like at least a year to get rid of that. It's saying that though, cost effective. I always buy big bags of rice. Well, it is cost I buy effective. A tanky, yeah, but he was I panic, buy the big bags. panic buying. It was the. Yeah. You know, I bulk these... buy it for a cost effective standpoint, and also it's a lot less plastic because often yes, the big big bags of rice come in paper. Well, it's so... now come that I buy forty eight rolls of toilet paper at a time. Oh, do you they get that come box? in a cardboard box? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So yeah, I totally get the hoarding thing, and it was panic buying, oh, but that yeah. was absolutely fear. led by fear absolutely had boris fear. just gone on the tv and said don't worry gang the supermarkets will stay open might have been a little bit where well, it might have been helped a little bit but who it was knows hard. it was def- yeah definitely fear we all feared when could we next buy it and but then that drove it more because i wasn't worried because i had toilet paper but then when i started to run low and i had maybe uh, three days worth i thought i'm not gonna find it in any shop oh crap I, if I see some, crap. I'm buying it. Yeah, crap. <laughs> um, yeah, if I see some, I'm buying as much as I can just in case. And then you're like, oh no, you know, you don't need to be like that, you know. And then you'd walk into the supermarket and genuinely just need toilet roll, and you're like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not panic buying. <laughs> oh, it was the wine that was the worst. I went into Sainsbury's and walked into the wine aisle, and I literally stood there in shock. I was like, and a man walked into the aisle behind me. He goes, are you being serious? I said, I know, right. So their shelves are almost like price, aren't they? The top shelf still had some wine, you know, the expensive wine that you have for special occasions. All the others were empty. And me and this bloke, complete stranger, stood there like, oh my God, all these mums suddenly had to homeschool, have bought all the wine. (laughs) (laughs) Here's me, not allowed to work, I need the wine. I didn't know people panic bought wine. Yeah, Yeah. Um, I had friends that were like going on to say like Majestic and things like that, they couldn't couldn't get wine. It was all gone. Wow. As yeah. if. That's hilarious. Shows how, I would rather shows have much too I much knew. wine than too much toilet paper. You can substitute I mean, toilet paper. You can just get in the shower. Well, yeah, I started. Oh, there is someone that's done this. They, uh, I read an article and it was something I thought about when there was no toilet paper. I was like, right, these old towels that are 16 years old, let's cut them up into little pieces. And then wash them. them. Put them in the washing machine. And I did see this on. Yeah something or other um and it was the same but with um sanitary towels i think oh yes and then you just put them in a bag you keep them yeah. and then you shove it all in the washing machine my same family but- have gone down that route they've got all different by the use no reusable products yeah yeah i mean i'm a big yeah. fan of a moon cup they yeah. should be absolutely mandatory um but uh sorry gents yeah but i did the i think i may have seen the reusable toilet roll and it's just yeah. like do I want a bag of shit sitting in my bathroom? That's the only thing. I saw the kitchen towel and I have been very tempted. And I nearly bought it, but I thought, no, do you know what? You've got enough scrap fabric yourself, Dawn, to make it yourself. Mm. And I've just not done that yet. But yeah, the reusable toilet uh, kitchen roll looked great. And it was like on a roll and they kind of like almost Velcroed together. So it looked like a roll still. And you use it and just stick it in the bag in the wash. I thought, well, I mostly use cloths in the kitchen for that purpose anyway. Instead of kitchen towel, I'll use a cloth and put it in the wash. Yeah, but it's the attachment to the idea that our kitchen roll has to be a roll. Well, yes. they've had to then go and make extra effort 
on creating that role look so people aren't so freaked out by the idea of something else so attachment creeps into everything i'm telling you um um and i i read a quote from the bhagavad gita Bhagavad Gita. Yeah. Yep. So let your concern be with the action alone and never with the fruits of action. Do not let the results of your action be your motive. And do not let do not be attached to inaction. Krishna said this. He did uh, to Arjuna in the middle yeah. of the battlefield. Um, the Bhagavad Gita is a small chapter out of the huge book called the Mahabharata, which is actually a poem. Did you know? Yes, I knew it was a poem, um, but I didn't realize it's a whole book a poem. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, apparently. Doesn't rhyme. <laughs> uh, so it's um, it, essentially Krishna is trying to calm Arjuna down because Arjuna doesn't want to go into battle. And Krishna is telling him, Krishna is a god. Arjuna didn't know this until this point. Um, Krishna is trying to explain to Arjuna why going into battle is the right thing um, and essentially explains what yoga is um, and the path to yoga and how to achieve it. And attachment absolutely comes into that. Mm-hmm. And it is uh, talking about negative and positive karmas, isn't it? It's letting go of the outcome and just yeah. doing what you love, doing what you need to do, etc., etc. And so, And it instantly takes away that fear because if you like, well, this is what I feel like I should be doing. So therefore I'm going to do it. Whether it's successful or not successful, I feel like this is my calling uh, in this point at this time in my life. Um, and then without that fear, you're much more driven to succeed or well, you're much more yeah. likely, sorry, driven is the wrong word. You're much more likely to succeed. Uh, whereas if you go into something with fear, the odds are you hold back. You don't really... Um, do what you you want to do because you're worried about what people will think or that it will fail etc 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 and um the odds are that you won't succeed in your endeavors also um it reduces the amount of suffering that we then have at the end uh, or throughout we don't the outcome yeah Mm. it's and also the attachment to the journey so if for instance i think if you were to go approach your new year's resolutions or your new year's goals with, I want this and this is how I'm going to get there. Um, So I need to be doing this and then I need to be doing that. And then I need to be doing the other. And then this will happen. If at any point you waver from that path due to that thing called life, the odds are that you're, well, you're attached to that path and it's going to upset you and you're going to feel like you've lost your way or you're not going to reach your end goal. Whereas if you have an end goal in mind and then lose all attachment to how you're going to get there, the universe will have a way and it will get you there. Yeah. Yeah. I gu- yeah. Or, I guess we can look at both ways. We can then focus purely on the journey. Absolutely. And not be attached to the outcome. Yeah. So by being attached to the outcome, absolutely. It can give us drive and focus. Yeah. However, sometimes we can get knocked off our path and taken down a whole different journey that we didn't even yeah. know existed for us. For instance, we could just look at lockdown in itself. I mean, it's knocked my entire business online. Mm, Would I have done that without lockdown happening? No. Hell no. It would never have... It would you wouldn't ne- even think it's possible, would you? No. no. No one wants to t- do yoga online. But it was because of the happy coincidence that everyone had no choice other than to do yoga online that they've realised that this is freaking brilliant. I don't have to leave the house. Um, 
and so that it works and it's created something incredible because but had I been attached to no I teach my classes live and that is what I want to do I'm not going online my yogis won't want to do it online therefore I'm just going to sit and wait this one out imagine yeah I'd be starting from scratch again in three weeks time if no you if, can't even do yours in three weeks no, it's not it's like May, two months May, a month yeah, yeah. I would still be waiting, still be waiting and starting from scratch. And yeah. it's also the attachment to the assumption that uh, my yogis can't teach or won't, sorry, won't practice yoga online. Yeah. That's my assumption and attachment to their, to what they think. And that in itself is incredibly dangerous. Being attached to both the journey and the outcome being so attached to it, I suppose, gives us blinkers and we miss out on other things. So like, you you know, the online thing, um, we were forced to make these decisions. But yeah, if we're so attached, we could just be missing out on so many different things that crop up. And I briefly touched on it last week that we would we miss out on the spontaneous joy. That was the, the, the two yeah. words together. Um, yeah, if we're so focused on, on uh, yeah, on doing it the way that we've said we'll do it, way we want to do it or the way that we think is best is that I want to win the I want a million pounds and I want to do it by winning the lottery yeah well if you want a million pounds maybe you should open yourself up to getting it in different ways if you only buy a lottery ticket the odds of you getting a million pounds are very very slim yeah whereas if you open yourself up to other opportunities you may find it another way and you also if you lose the attachment to the million you might find that you're very happy and content at 500,000 or you might invite more money in Mm -hmm. and be even richer than a million so it's and then kind let's of just... not get attached to that million pounds. Let's give it all to charity. Not all of it. Don't be well. silly, Dawny. Some of it. <laughs> so let's touch on how this affects us on the mat, how we can work on it on the mat. Um, Good point. How have we got yeah. this far through the podcast without talking about this already, Dawny? I know. We skip so, right ahead to everything else. I think it's such a broad topic. It's such a broad topic. I mean, you were at my workshop on non-attachment and I don't think we even talked about any of what we've talked about today. No, no. So it's so broad, so, so broad. Um, So yoga, oh, sorry, non-attachment on the yoga mat. Um, Okay, so you could walk into class, you know that we are doing headstands today uh with this is current because we're currently doing headstands in my yoga classes online brave move by me god i hate watching people fall um but uh you go into the class you know it's going to be headstand day or you're going to be working on it at the end of class and you are absolutely determined today is the day and much like with that whole car scenario at the beginning you have all of the build-up all of the emotional attachment to the outcome of this class. Anyway, you're going to get your first headstand determined. Um, And then class goes through. It goes really well, but you're really excited about the headstands at the end. So you're a little bit unattached or not, um, not unattached, a bit um, unfocused on the rest of the class. uh, Just kind of throwing yourself into here, there, whatever. Um, Not really thinking about it. And your back starts to tighten up because you were moving mindlessly. And then when it comes to the headstands, you're a little bit unsure because your back's a little tight because you weren't moving very well 
and oh god and the fear kicks in because you're like well I just don't feel like I can engage properly and things aren't going quite well and oh my god not got those headstands and you walk out of the class and you're thinking well that's fucking shit not only did I hurt myself I didn't get my headstand that I really really wanted to get and I told everyone at work I was going to get today (laughs) Yeah. yeah and so instantly the attachment to the outcome of that class ruined not only your whole class but potentially ruined the next couple of days where you've a potentially caused a little bit of a niggle or injury and b the disappointment of telling everyone that you um didn't get a headstand and c you haven't got anything to post on the gram (laughs) (laughs) that's a big attachment having stuff to post on the gram isn't it just yeah um so Yeah, and it always comes back down to this, especially when practicing yoga in class, isn't it? Be now, be here now, practice for the love of practicing, be in the moment and enjoy it for what it is, you know, for the fact of being there, not for the outcomes. Yes, absolutely. What will be, will be. Um, And I think you get a lot more from your practice if you are mindful and present within it. If you are floating off to the end of class or what you've got going on after class or next week's class or whatever it might happen to be you're not going to get so much from the here and the now and it's the same with every single moment of your life yeah I mean Dawny imagine if you and I were chatting right now and both of us are busy worrying about our next podcast it would be I I hadn't even thought of it till you said that so (laughs) exactly it would be like oh god uh yeah we're on the last of the yammers we've got to do knee yammers last next week and I don't even know what they are anymore and oh and you're all distracted and yeah not enjoying yourself whereas if we just sit here and be in this moment with each other yeah with a couple of microphones then it's it's enjoyable it just feels like normal and, and we've got no tell. anxiety around anything and I think people probably could tell the moments when we're both like oh there's a dog or there's a cat or there's like someone walking in the house or something you know just suddenly we suddenly get distracted don't we you know yeah I know that I do I suddenly notice myself I'll oh, come back come back um no talking of dogs he heard you yeah you really did hi albie um he's determined to sit on my feet he wants to be on the podcast catboy got a mention in week one albie wants a mention in week five (laughs) pretty sure albie's barked in every single podcast yeah yeah Yeah. he has made himself known uh don't tell him but he's been edited out uh so yeah yoga um, sorry, attachment, non-attachment in the yoga class is really, really, really important and a fantastic starting point with noticing attachment in your life because like with all of these things, you can choose to work on them. However, if you fail to notice where attachment is coming up, then you're never going to be able to do anything about it. Uh, so it's becoming more mindful. Um, I remember having quite a difficult conversation with a friend um, about how she likes to get excited about stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, getting excited about something is, I think she'd been let down a couple times in a row. And uh, and I said about, well, just don't have any expectation. Like just lose the expectation. And that's, expectation is attachment. Yeah. Um, oh, I have so many examples now. Uh, but she, w- I just like, just have no expectation as to how the evening's going to go. And then you can't be let down or how the weekend, it was a weekend away. And uh, she's like, but that's half the fun, the excitement of it. And it's like, well, you can be excited about something, but not have it so planned out in your head that if it doesn't go to plan, you're then disappointed. We all have those, yeah. 
things don't happen the way you'd intended them to happen, it can ruin your day. Whereas if you're excited about the potential that the day brings, but what happens happens, then it doesn't matter. A great example is the whole nights out back in back in the 20s mostly mostly but you could have a random spontaneous night out the number of times I'd meet friends after work on a Friday night and you know you'd be in your work clothes or I mean or even a few years ago I remember once like being out in my gym clothes like we'd gone to the pub and you know this spontaneous just oh you can have the most amazing fun night and just it just flows and there's no expectation because you didn't know you're going to do it. You're out. You're having fun. You're not caring about what you necessarily look like because you're like, well, I come from work. I'm in a workplace. Doesn't matter. Got That's a legitimate excuse. <laughs> yes, I've got a legitimate excuse to look like this. Have a, an amazing, brilliant night. The end of the night or the next day, you're like, oh, we should do that again soon. Next time, we won't go straight from work. We will plan this and we will meet at the pub in proper clothes. And you plan it to a T. You're like, I want that fun, amazing experience that I had last time. But this time it'll be better because we'll be in the right clothes and we'll be <laughs> start earlier or we'll stay out later because we don't have anything on the next day. You know, all of these things. But then that night comes and you're all sitting there and you're kind of forcing yourselves to drink an extra glass of wine, to get a bit tipsy, to feel like you did last time when actually you're not really in the mood and you've just it's just a forced thing and you had your you know that you've just got so attached to that fun night out and you just can't you can't reenact a spontaneous night out comes back to that spontaneous joy doesn't it absolutely new year's eve is always a good one isn't it massive build up always a letdown everyone always says it's a letdown why because everyone is attached to the idea that it should be this amazing night yeah yeah no one actually wants to stay up at midnight anymore no No, i want to be in bed by half past nine Yeah, and it, it's just yeah, yeah, not being attached, being open to the ebbs and flows of life. Oh, so important, so so yeah. important. Um, Dawn, I feel like we've talked about this not to the back teeth because yeah. if we talk about it anymore, we're going to start moving down a very dark, yeah. different, <laughs> yes, uh, part of non-attachment. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we did pretty good today we're done good lots lots a big variety of points to touch on there for... no we've talked about sustainable fashion for an hour oh well, this is true <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that just uh you know railroaded the conversation <laughs> no love it it's important it's really important and it's noticing how our attachment to everything in our life can potentially be causing huge um, or um not causing adding to bigger yes. issues yes uh and our small behaviors can make big changes um i mean geez dawny how attached was i to being a meat eater yeah hugely attached to being a meat eater went to nepal was a, a vegan for a month my body shape changed completely well i got e coli it was a bit unfair wasn't it i mean i came back i think eight kilos lighter yeah. um lost all muscle tone etc cetera, etc cetera. so it reinforced my belief that being a vegan vegetarian was fucking stupid yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was that uh do you remember the documentary about oh what was it called the one that was all mega vegan and completely berated me it was on netflix oh meat eater no 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 no, no, no. more 
I can't remember what it was called. It will come to me. Um, and it was, it got loads and loads of press, loads yeah. of press. It turned out it was produced by someone who owned a vegan supplements company. So it was obviously, you know, it was all that sort of stuff, but um, which they always are. But essentially it was, it was the end of the year. I think it came out October, November time. There's loads of running and raving about it. And then I was like, fuck this shit. I am going to try it because it's the only way you can get an informed decision is, yeah. do you feel better being a vegan? Or not being a vegan at the end of the day it is personal and it is up to each individual to figure it out because everything everything you read is biased one way or yeah. the other especially big studies always bias one way or the other yeah who's it funded by um and so i didn't do it in december because it's december obviously i'm not going to be a vegan in december <laughs> What kind of idiot am I? Um, blankets, turkey, stuffing. Exactly, yeah, exactly. All the good things. All of the chocolate. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Um, and so January came around and I I just did it. I didn't tell anyone. Do you remember at the yeah. beginning? I didn't tell anyone. Um, I was like, I'm just going to low key do three months vegan. I figured a month wasn't long enough. Do three months. Um I was so fucked off. <laughs> I was so attached. I was so determined that being a vegan this time would be very similar to last time. I would feel less healthy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Turns out the lack of nourishment in the food in Nepal and the E. coli absolutely they were the ruined any chance yeah. of being, yeah, feeling good. So it was, I came, I tried this vegan approach and every single food craving disappeared. Um, I felt better. I had more energy. I was so annoyed. <laughs> uh, within three weeks, I was like, fuck sake, and continued to feel better for the entire three months. Um, and ever since, I've been a flexitarian, yeah. which is such a dickish, wanky term. But yeah. someone said it, and I'm like, I'm that. So I'm vegan probably, mm-hmm. vegan probably 80% of the time. But if I want to eat meat, I eat meat. If I want to eat a bit of cheese, I'll eat a bit of cheese. Um, but essentially, I know full well that when I eat a lot of meat now, I don't feel great. Mm-hmm. For me, for my body, I feel great being a vegan. And my God, the pain, the pain and the upset and the disappointment Letting in myself of, attachment. of being, <laughs> fuck, maybe meat isn't the one. <laughs> it was really, really, and it was because of my attachment to being a meat eater that yeah. caused me that. It was the telling people that, ah, oh, fuck, that Alex, I've created this personal trainer, crossfitter, big meat eater, rah, 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 persona that I created for myself. Well, suddenly I had to tear that down. Yeah. Bring that down and, oh shit, these vegans might be onto something. However, it might not be for everyone. Yeah. Gosh, that's a hard topic that I could talk for hours about. <laughs> but um, time. yeah, I have strong, strong views uh, on veganism <laughs> each way ah, but yeah. are you attached to those views <laughs> no I'm open to learning I am open to learning I but I think it. and I think that's the thing is I think uh, yeah that's where I think I get vegans backs up because I think that they come at it they're so attached to their view that they don't look mm. at the other side but Absolutely. we, we can't go there agree. we will piss a lot of people off <laughs> No, this is the thing. It is the attachment to, this is what I didn't want to get into. It's attachment to labels and vegans become incredibly attached to being a vegan. Crossfitters become incredibly attached to being a crossfitter. We all went through that phase. Yeah, Absolutely. Fucking wearing your knee sleeves around your ankles to walk around a supermarket. Who's not done it? Like you, (laughs) and you buy all of the Reebok gear. You buy 
everything to really cement into the fact that you're a crossfitter you talk about it all the goddamn time and it's a label that we create for ourselves and we get completely attached to and I think it happens with vegans it happens with well anything yeah anything um and it's just being so aware of your attachments to that are in your life what what if something was to disappear this is the easiest way I've found to notice attachment if something was to disappear from my life how would it make me feel I am upset about that changing. Okay. That means that I am attached to something somewhere in that situation. If you're, if you're scared of change in a situation, it means you're attached to something and that's where you need to start breaking it down and start to let it go. doesn't necessarily mean you have to let it go out of your life. You need to accept the fact that change is inevitable and nothing is permanent. And therefore once that thing goes, you're going to be okay. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's such an amazing topic. Such yeah. an amazing topic. Um, but I do think that we need to call it there. <laughs> I do. I was going to say on that note, your wise finishing words there um, bring us to a nice close. Mm-hmm. We have finished the yammers. We have. So that marks halfway through the series, Dawn. I know. I can't believe we're halfway already. I've loved it. Have you? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So the best thing we've ever done. Yeah um and again it was one of those things that we didn't let fear get in the way of we just jumped and did it didn't we i tell you something that i've said to people recently when they're like oh my god that's so cool you're doing that i was like do you know what i really was very tempted to say no i was very like no that's really out of my comfort zone i worry what people think i don't want to be judged this that and the other but i know and this is something i'm trying to grasp in a lot of my life now that if you then did it with someone else i would listen and be like why the hell did I not do that be jealous of it because I started to not care what people think because you know my opinions are my opinions and they can be changed but ultimately no one can argue with how something makes me feel so mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. in business and in life and yeah it's that yeah. Like, yeah grabbing the opportunities that arrive there's so many times you can look back and opportunities slip by and you maybe then see someone else doing what you thought about yep Oh, I, I bet there's people like inventors and stuff that thought about stuff and then they see it out there like, oh, why didn't I jump on that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. that's why I do. That's why I'm doing the podcast. And I told a lot of people that, that, you know, yeah, I could have said no. I was, you know what it was like. I was very tentative. <laughs> yes, you were. Um, I just pray, prayed on you in a time of weakness. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Because I knew I knew we'd do it perfectly, Dawny. I couldn't Good. imagine actually doing it with anyone else. Um, but I think we've made it so clear that this is how yoga impacts our lives. Oh yeah, that it's like it can't be right or wrong. It's just our what we've discovered, what we've found, what we've enjoyed, and what the fruits of our yoga mm-hmm. have um, grown for us. Um, and hope that other people can learn from it, experience it develop it in their own way Um, which is why we want people to talk to us about this stuff yeah Um, the conversations um what we got next week the niyamas we've got the niyamas so we've done that's it that's our closing um yama which is our social etiquette uh or guidelines so now we look on our personal guidelines and the things we need to do for ourselves we start to look more inward rather than outward Mm mm-hmm okay mm-hmm. i'm excited exciting to delve into these i've not looked into them as deeply as the yammers so it's going to be interesting cool some are some are absolute uh nerd out on them love them and then the others i'm less so so i think i'm excited about the ones that i'm less yeah. into yeah 
cool. so if you want to get in touch please do talk to us uh we've got our instagram yoga life um podcast we've got youtube yoga life podcast also and we have the website yogalife.com get in touch via any of those um and we'd love to hear from you on any of this stuff mm-hmm. uh if you have a specific point about an episode um or a topic, please do state which episode it was in because it really helps us with replying. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's been great. Remember to like, subscribe, share, tell all your friends, tell all your family, make them all listen. Bye.